0: Those dang trappers get me every time. Those gosh dang trappers. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Best of Five. My name is Elon. I'm joined here by the bestest
1: oh, be co-sign off bit. I didn't realize we were doing an introduction but
0: wait what happened
1: i thought we were gonna be like i'm elon and it's like and i'm sharpie type thing like, you oh
0: well steve? i'm elon
1: and i'm sharpie not I'm, steve
0: and welcome to <laughs> die by sword <laughs> first of all die by sword thank you for resubbing three years 36 months you are a hero the sole hero of the best of five land and thank you for gifting a bug to bug or a gifting a sub to bug snacks i'm shook uh and that's 131 gift subs in total so you're Jeez peace. you are solely responsible for everything that happens on this channel so you're welcome uh but welcome everybody to another episode of best of five we got lots of exciting stuff to talk about including something that literally happened about three minutes ago might still be going on actually
1: what what literally happened three minutes ago. I'm
0: concerned now. <laughs> oh no, It's not. it was an announcement that was uh, preceded by a countdown that was preceded by another countdown. Uh, and it has to do with our boy Kenny Omega. Ooh. Uh, and it was actually a very funny announcement. I don't know how much of it is still going on. I caught the first two bits of it and then they started talking about shirts. Uh, but we'll dive into that in a little bit. <laughs> Type of <shirt's> not accepting. <laughs> uh, well, you're the one. That is gifting the subs, so really, this is all your fault. Congratulations. Uh, That's what you get for gifting lots of subs to us. You're welcome. Uh, (laughs) What a jerk. (laughs) And thank you, Beaver FTW, also for three years. Is this our three-year anniversary? When did we get our button?
1: Who is giving us money and why? What is wrong with
0: you? I don't understand either. But anyway, we're going to talk about the Tekken 7 patch. We're going to talk about how... Uh, NRS used to be our friends, but now they do stuff on Thursdays, the jerks. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, Capcom getting uh, attacked and held for ransom. That's crazy, right?
1: There is a lot of news. Yes.
0: <laughs> and while Steve is not here, he's still here for a recap. So, Steve, will you please – oh, whoops. I forgot to do a bunch of stuff that would make my life easier. So I'm going to say this sentence while I do that. And fill in time and dead air by saying this longer sentence that has a couple of commas, an Oxford comma, uh, maybe a colon to list things such as this. And there we are. So without further ado, uh, Steve is not here with us. So he has prepared a recap for us and uh, I will do my best. So let's take it over. Or let, Let's toss it over to Recap Elon. Go Recap Elon. A uh, lot of good stuff this week. A lot of, lot of amazing things happened. Uh, let's kick it off over to China for the CPT 2020 China Qualifier. And, of course, this was won by big man Jiwa up first, taking first. Bao taking second. We got, I'm assuming that's pronounced Choo Choo. Uh, That's a bad assumption on my part. Probably we got Tony Shui rounding out top four and if we look This is the second Capcom Cup qualification for Jiwa. He once qualified in 2015 and now he is back and he wants Vengeance if we look at top nine we have Ben Whisper, Fei, Rao, Street, the Street Fighter himself and then on top 13 We have the Wang, Huan Jin, Joey Joey and Joe and Shaohai Rounding out top 13. I hope I got those names right. Anyway, let's take it over to other things that have also happened in the Capcom world. We have the SFL League kept moving through this week. We're through week five. And team all in, staying on top. Undefeated record, 4-0. and Winning over everybody. Alpha 3 defeating UIU three o to take second. And then Dynamite, of course, losing to Team All-In, taking third. Nasser holding on to fourth. Psycho Shinobi and UYU bringing up the rear. Mena, once again, going 3-0 for Team Dynamite. Let's go. Oh. Well. Wait, what were you, what? what? Nothing. what? Nothing, nothing, okay. nothing. <laughs> nothing, 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 nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Mena going 3-0, and o, once again, proving that maybe Samurai is no longer the king of the format. So we'll see what happens in week six when Alpha 3 takes Nasser and UIU fights Psycho Shinobi.
1: Okay, I was about to say, let's go Mena again. I was about to say it. Okay, everybody, <laughs> y'all know what I was going to say. Like, is yeah, my fave.
0: <laughs> Mena is also my favorite, too. I think we've talked about Mena a lot.
1: Yeah, that's why I was like, I, was like I don't want to get into this because we're both obviously fans. And yes. it would turn into like a five-minute long conversation and no one else would get the spotlight.
0: Yep. As it and should be. We would just be gushing about mana for, like, the next 30 minutes. (laughs) Uh, Let's take it over to the opposite side of the pond with Street Fighter League in Japan. Uh, This is their round seven. And, of course, Team Flame taking it 4-0 over Team Splash, which those are big results. And Team Scarlet 4-0 over Team Gaia. And Gold... Oh, and gold taking it four zero over Aurora, giving Aurora its first loss of the season. That's a hard thing to say. And be on the lookout for next week, where Scarlet takes on Team Splash, Team Gaia takes on Team Gold, and Team Aurora takes Team Flame. So it's going to be. A Is very... it really
1: pronounced Aurora and not uh, Aura or Aurora? I have. I no feel idea. like it's like a Northern Lights thing. Like, isn't there a different? pronunciation of that or am i crazy
0: i think it's aurora it's aurora borealis (laughs) i just have a hard time saying it you're right you're right i just have a hard time saying it anyway uh speaking of aurora borealis i think i said Mm -hmm, that right mm -hmm. Uh, that's in europe and guess what else happened in europe specifically the southwest of europe
1: rollbacks of the pandemic pandemic quarantine and a second coming
0: yes oh yeah that is southwest yeah with spain and france and italy yes yeah. they are going back But what
1: else elon
0: the other thing that happened this weekend was the europe southwest tekken 7 online tournament let's take a wow. look at that the tekken 7 online challenge for southwest europe with Mitris storm taking over death adder in the grand finals and then we have uh najin kazama and bode or Baji, i believe rounding out top four uh, Shout-outs to top nine with uh, Captain Tyna, Rehawk, and the best 00154. Uh, and shout-out to top 13 with Enzo, Al Guni, Nikki, and Zeon. Uh, the boss fight for Mitra Storm after he won the tournament was GearLanda, and it was a very, very close match. It came down to final game, final round, and Mitra Storm beating the final boss after winning the tournament allowing us to see the season four trailer and the announcement that it was coming this week so big thanks to mitra storm for letting us see all that sunday exhibitions also had a bunch of barn burner fights we had super Akuma and daniel mato with super Akuma taking it seven six doug from paris beating Kaper five one and kira kira beating gunny five one uh so, big times were had. Good times were had all around uh, for Europe Southwest. Moving on. I changed it over to this screen by accident. So, I'm going to give the camera a look. And then, I'm going to switch it back to our next part of the recap. Dragon Ball Fighters National Championships Week 4. Let's take a gander here. Goichi going 5-1 versus Bombaban. Fenrichi taking Tachikawa 5-1. B... 5-4-ing Mado, and Kazunoko, no-game-browning uh, Matoi. In France, we have uh, Gila versus Silverblade Z, with Gila taking it. Wawa taking it over Yasha. Kaiden taking over Kasuga. Noka taking it over Kai- Kane, sorry. Kane on a very close 5-4 match. In Spain, Grappus and Shanks, 5-3 for Genus God taking it over Gamba. Cuenca going 5-3 over Christian RG. And Kalbu taking it 5 3 over Tigris. Goichi actually went 5 3. Okay, Goichi went 5 3 versus Bombon. That's Steve's one mistake. Uh, Steve always gets one, everybody. Uh, so t- uh, instead of 5 1, it's 5 3. Goichi taking it over Bomb-Bomb. Uh US East, we have the Kill Sage winning over Nitro, Bro- uh, Nitro Bros. Uh, God taking it over Mambalamba. No Kami, 5 2 over Double L.
1: Let's go, No Kami.
0: And Lord Knight taking it 5-1 over a mini-Assassin. And then lastly on US West, we have Cloud805 taking it over Cuba, Subatomic Sabers taking it over CNTKOF. Jonathan 10 taking it 5-4 over Apology Oh, that's Man. an
1: upset. That is an upset. <laughs> I would not have expected that, but okay. Let's go.
0: And then Reynold taking it 5-2 over Super Noon to round out all of the results for this week. So uh, stay tuned for more results next week. But where does this put everybody, you may ask? Here are the final pl- or the final placings for week four. With Fenrich, Goichi, sticking it to the top of Japan undefeated. Kazunoko and Baba Bon rounding out top four. Uh, Gila, Wawa, also undefeated in the France side. Janis God and Gropus hanging it on 4-0 undefeated. US East and US West only... One person each staying in the undefeated bracket, which is the Kill Sage and Cloud 805. But if you look right behind them, big names coming up, Hokang God, Nitro Bros on the uh, USC side, and then Jonathan Teen and Subatomic Sabres hanging on the US West side. Apology Man getting knocked down to 2-2. Two, two. As you said earlier, big upset. <laughs> so we'll see what happens this coming week on Dragon Ball Fighters National Championships. Yeah. Speaking of... Uh, Sharpie, you weren't here last week, and Steve is not I here. Was not. Whoops, I accidentally closed that. Because I out. was
1: executing my American right to vote.
0: Good, as we all should be. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was one thing that happened. That uh... sorry, I accidentally fucked something up over here. Uh, there was one thing that happened while you weren't here, and it's Steve and I Ooh. made a bet. We made a pizza bet on Marbula One. If I remember correctly, Marbula One, first of all, is uh, the Jelly Marble Runs. Uh, they do the Marble Olympics, where instead of uh, it being people doing Olympic stuff, it's Marbles doing Olympic stuff. Yeah, I love Mar- that.
1: I love that YouTube channel. That's like one of my favorite channels.
0: They are amazing. <laughs> and Steve and I have decided to make Marbula One a regular part of the show, including cool. a bet. So Marbula One was this past weekend, and I put my money, my pizza slice, if you will, on Team Oceanics. Mm-hmm. Steve put his pizza money on the raspberry racers so let's see how they did yeah
1: i feel like raspberry race honestly if i had to put i'll actually put money up before i even see the results right here i'll actually put ten dollars on raspberry race into that pot so
0: okay well it's just pizza so you're gonna have to either buy me a pizza or i'm gonna you're gonna have to share a pizza with steve okay so here it is the results first cat's eyes crazy cat's eyes with yellow eye momo taking it second for team momo mallard for the green ducks on third rounding out the podium then we have bumble from the bumblebees snowy for the snowballs and then on sixth the raspberry racers two spots ahead of c from the oceanic so it looks like i owe steve and you a pizza maybe uh but look at the look at the time differential it's less than a second Actually, it's a little bit more than a second. Honey, we take those.
1: Okay, we take those. We earned that win. Look, my guy Razzie has been out here training for a minute for this obstacle course. Okay, that hill, that hill, that marble has practiced going up and down these hills and valleys now for the last five months. All right, some of the obstacle courses that their coach put them through that ultimately got them to that differential of only one second is insane. And honestly… I feel like right now you're kinda of taken away from Razzie. I don't appreciate it.
0: Well, you know, the Marbula circuit is different on every day. So we'll see next week what happens, but I do wanna, I do wanna go into the rest of these results here. Uh, if we look at the bottom left, uh, Smoggy from the Hazers won the qualifying shootout and got 12th, putting two points in for team Hazers. Uh, and Momo, up on second for Team Momo, got the fastest lap, awarding them a point. So, big ups to Team Momo, uh, and we'll see what happens next week. If we look at the bottom right, uh, these are the teams that did not qualify, and it, or the players, racers, sorry, that did not qualify, and it's Clutter from Balls of Chaos, Azure from the Cobalts, Hop from the Jungle Jumpers, known for their jumping, but not so much for their racing, and the Minty Drizzle from the Minty Maniacs. Uh, And if we look here, these are the standings as of today for round one of season two. So we'll see next week how our boys will do, especially our boys in the Oceanics. Let's go.
1: Let's go, Razzie! Let's go, Raspberry Racers. All right. Razzy's starting off strong. Love to see it.
0: (laughs) With all this said, what is coming up this weekend, you might ask? Well, Steve has you. Uh, street fighter league u.s and japan going for weeks six and eight respectively on thursday and friday also respectively we have dragon ball fighters national championships week five happening friday through sunday saturday and sunday cpt online australia we're getting down to the bottom here of these cpts we're almost there we're almost at the end and lastly the techno online challenge for the philippines is coming this weekend saturday and sunday so be on the lookout for that I don't believe there's a Marbula one this weekend because there is a Formula One race this weekend. But I do believe Marbula one will return next week. Cars racing. Who
1: watches that? There can't be an audience for cars.
0: I I watch it. I paid for the subscription. Well, sorry. (laughs) Uh, But though that carbon
1: footprint is horrible, I just want to let you know it is pretty
0: bad. I know, I know, but it's also fun. And yeah, I'm going be, to be dead in, like, 30 to 40 years, maybe sooner. So it's not my problem. I'm kidding. Could you imagine if I was actually like that? That would be crazy. Um, anyway.
1: If people in the world didn't care, that'd be insane. <laughs> but anyway, we have so much news today, don't we, Elon?
0: Yes, we do. Uh, first, let's talk about the big old elephant in the room. And that was the AEW announcement that just happened right before we started our show. And let's. Kenny Omega... Walking out into the stage very much like a Steve Jobs. Treating it like a presentation just like Steve Jobs. All to announce that AEW is coming out with a game for consoles. Uh, wow. for uh, With developers from the old WWE games. And the developing company from the old WWE games. Later on, they also announced. Hold on a second. Let me just take care of this. Bam. I don't usually get to ban people, so that was fun. Uh, Mm -hmm. There was a bot. All right. On top of the AEW game, they announced that they also have an AEW mobile game called The Elite General Manager that is coming soon. Mm -hmm. I don't believe they announced dates. If they did, I missed it. But uh, it's nice to see that, you know, uh, the AEW folks are going to put some work into making some video games for us to have fun with. So, well, here's the there.
1: interesting part about that news. Is I recall earlier this year, specifically because of, of, of Down Down's prolific growth in gaming, mm-hmm. the WWE, or specifically the WWF, which is the federation that owns it, run I believe by Vince McMahon, stated that uh, anyone underneath that title, essentially all wrestlers and wrestling brands and commentators, would no longer be able to make money off of their own companies while inside of that contract. So it's interesting that he's. That, that Kenny Omega is opting to do this, specifically in the mobile and video game genre, because that implies that he may very possibly move away from wrestling very soon.
0: Well, he is like... Because I, I think... the. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he is like an exec, right? He's like a, an exec for AEW. He's not just a wrestler anymore. So, yeah, it's, it's nice to see that company definitely branching out into stuff. And uh, I do know that AEW is not affiliated with them yeah somebody just said it they're not affiliated with WWE. oh okay
1: okay 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 then i apologize i had that misunderstood yeah my apologies
0: yeah it's okay uh AEW is this new thing that kenny omega and a couple of the guys from his team from new japan world wrestling set up uh and they were talking they they showed a bunch of stuff within their history like how they first started their shows then they got some uh a weekly show on tnt i think Mm. Uh, and now they're moving into the video game space. So That's awesome. So well, also terrifying, but awesome. Yeah, well, big ups to our boy Kenny Omega, right? He's an FGC guy. Me. So the more FGC guys we have in uh, wrestling and making fun decisions for us, the better, I think. Uh, so big ups to them. Oh, according to Blue, also, they announced another mobile game called AEW Casino that is releasing this winter. <laughs> so there you Whenever go. Whenever
1: they put Casino in front of anything and it's in a mobile game, I just kind of...
0: Really? It gets me. I'm a gambling addict. Does it really? I'm, uh, I'm a gambler. I, I pray the oh. gambler every day. Uh, but See, yeah. if
1: they added poker, if they had poker specifically, it would get me. But like, I can't just casino. <laughs> mm. Maybe dedicated poker. And I, I, I did
0: spend way too much time when I turned 21 at the blackjack table, and I'm, I was able to buy a laptop. So fun oh. times. Uh, so that's my, my story of gambling addiction. Uh, let's move on. Uh, another big announcement was made, and that was the lineup for Friends of the Show, the tournament, Climax of Night.
1: Yay, Shinobi. Let's see the announcement.
0: Here oh. they. Whoops, sorry. Here they are, and it's Dengenki Buko fi- Fighting Climax Ignition, Gundam Extreme vs. on. Melty Blood, Actress, again, Current Code, and under birth exe late cl-r or as they say uniclear so there it is the climax of night season four lineup congrats over there to shinobi and the guys can't wait to see more of them coming soon so be on the lookout for climax of Night. any thoughts on are you a fan of climax of night obviously i'm you a know huge shinobi. fan
1: i'm a huge fan of climax actually i was going to go this 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 year um before everything happened So I'm actually very, very happy. Um, To be very honest, and to be very blunt, Shinobi has made quite an effort in general, making sure that local events have a place in the ecosystem for the fighting game community. And I'm always really happy to see that uh, his events prosper, especially Mm. throughout this quarantine and very preventable pandemic because there are a lot of events that, unfortunately, have been folding under the pressure. No. Um, I know people are questioning, like whether or not it will still be inside of Atlanta, whether or not it will still be offline. It's obviously, I I think, I think it's, I think they're moving for an online format. Was that was that also announced, or did they say that they're going for offline?
0: I don't believe. Uh, if it was, we don't have that info.
1: Okay. Um, so I'm I'm just excited because honestly, to be very very blunt about it, I was concerned that this was going to be one of those events that didn't quite. Make it through 2020, mm-hmm. so I'm really happy to see that it's still out here thriving. That there's still a market and still players interested and in competing and playing. And I'm also really happy to see that Shinobi's making an effort to create that home that he originally helped facilitate. It's beautiful.
0: Yep, totally agree. Uh, you know, often I think tos and community leaders are often go very unappreciated and. Uh, mm-hmm. Fall through the cracks as far as the appreciation bandwagon goes. So, one hundred percent for being uh, stubborn in a good way and making things still happen for us. Yeah, big round of applause for Shinobi. Um, another thing, this isn't on our uh, on our doc here, but there was something else I got announced this week, and that was uh, CEO Jabali. Jabali announced that he's going to be putting since he's no longer able to run uh, offline tournaments with DreamHack or with CEO. He's putting some effort into building more content into his YouTube channel. So CEO Gaming on YouTube. Uh, they did an unboxing of, I think it was some sort of Infinity Gauntlet that floated. And it looked pretty cool. So if you're into that stuff, uh, or if you're into supporting the people who support our community and do great things for us uh, in the fighting game communities, please check out CEO Jabaley. Uh And I think it's CEO Gaming on YouTube. I forgot to get the information on that. So that's my bad. But either way, give him a peep. Because uh he works hard for us, so let's give him a let's give him a little looky loo and say thanks <laughs> I think I said that right uh, anyway uh up next uh this was this one was a bit of a, a weird thing to hear
1: uh yeah, this I, one was kind of I have thoughts on it if we want to do timer on it, we can, but i don't want
0: to I don't want two people with two people, the timer doesn't work out so You think so? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Especially because we're also we're also a little bit light on the on the substance, so we can go along. Uh,
1: I still have thoughts as I pertain to the substance, though.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. That's why no (laughs) time, unfiltered. (laughs) Fair, 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 Uh, fair. But earlier last week, it was announced that Capcom was the victim of a ransomware attack, Mm. and they are currently they're. It's like I think a, over a terabyte of information is currently being held for about $11 million by a group called – shit, I'm going to have to open up the article. I thought I had it in my brain. Let this be a lesson to you. Always take notes. Uh, but I don't this, believe they
1: announced the name of the group, did they?
0: I'm uh, not seeing it
1: in the art. I don't, I'm not, oh, Ragnar Locker. Ragnar, thank somewhere. you. Yeah,
0: Ragnar Locker. Uh, uh, they claim to have stolen about one terabyte worth of files from uh, capcom now we don't know what section of capcom this is if it's fighting games division if it's just capcom in general uh one thing to note is i believe that as far as capcom games go they don't really have access to sensitive information such as names passwords and stuff they do have access to i think email addresses uh maybe passwords if you have like a capcom account uh, but be on the lookout for that. Uh, according to the article here by BleepingComputer.com, they uh, it was announced that uh, Ragnar Locker reached out to Capcom, saying, "We have breached your security perimeter and get and got access to every server of company's network." of the company's network in different offices locations in japan usa and canada so they've downloaded more than one terabyte of volume of accounting files banking statements budgets and revenue files classified as confidential tax documents intellectual property proprietary business information clients and employees personal information such as passports and visas and uh corporate agreements and contracts ndas confidential agreements sales summaries and they also have private corporate correspondence, emails, and messenger conversations, marketing presentations, audit reports, and other sensitive information. And if no deal is made, they are threatening to publish or sell through an auction to any third party that is willing to buy. So
1: it also says, uh, "P.S. Please don't go to the police because my uncle definitely works at Nintendo and he knows our rights." So <laughs> I think I think Ragnarok has really covered their bases here.
0: They have, and if they're Cousin, if their uncle works at Nintendo, then I guess that's it. Can't do much about that. Uh, But, yeah, this is one of those things where I don't think this has happened. Has this happened to any other gaming uh, company? I don't think so, right? This is the first, at least, that I've heard. Um, So here's
1: the thing. um, Because this is – I I work in IT. um, And while I will state that I don't know the Japanese law on it, I do know the U.S. law. And United States companies are not required to immediately disclose when a breach like this happens. I don't know the law in japan but i think it's first of all i think it's interesting that capcom chooses to like announce it and that's probably because someone made it official that wasn't them or they were concerned about someone making it like official before them um what i will say is that when this usually happens to american companies they don't say anything for like usually (laughs) A week or a month, unless something goes down, which is hilarious to me. Um, I'm I'm more of interested in the information that they have regarding passports, visas, everything like that, because one of the things that happens is when you actually get paid out by Capcom, you are required to fill out W-2s, which have your social security number. Um, you can fill out things that have your EID number. Uh, a lot of tax information for people that may have competed inside of Capcom events and received money in any capacity with them. This also includes these subsidiaries or contractors that they have. So it's not just Capcom, the company, it's anybody that they've worked with as well. That's where it becomes more dangerous, right? So in this example, uh, as it pertains to the FTC, let's pretend that I am a budding photographer and I have decided to sell some of my photographs officially to Capcom that I took at the Capcom Cup, right? And they're like, yeah, we'll pay you, let's just say $700, take pictures at this one event. Right? I give them, I fill out a W-2, I send all that information over to them, which has my tax information on it, my first and last name, my address, all of that good tax information. And Capcom keeps it on file for when they have to put out taxes in Capcom of America. Right, That's information that also very possibly could have been compounded so when they say things like employees it's not just employees which is what they add inside of the contracts non-disclosure agreements confidentiality agreements sales summaries that's probably what capcom's more concerned about if i was super so if i was super super like intelligent in guessing what they were really really concerned about here it may be like their actual profit profit base that could go out to their competitors um but it's just kind of it's kind of dangerous honestly just because uh there's information you don't typically want to get out not just to competitors but to people that can just go ahead and pretend to be whoever you are the last thing i want is someone to have my social security number and my first and last legal name and my address um because that is a disaster
0: (laughs) yeah the other Um, thing somebody else is bringing up in the chat is uh and it sounds like it It does, at least in my eyes, uh, but this is just completely unfounded uh, assumption is payouts at tournaments. That's exactly
1: what I was talking about. Anything over $500 has to be claimed by the United States government. Mm -hmm. So anybody who has won a Capcom Cup and received a prize of higher than $500 had to fill out tax information. So their tax information lies with Capcom. And that's Mm -hmm. where it starts getting messy because these are actual American citizens and a Japanese company with American basis, right? Right. So it's, it's a very messy situation right now because it's not just American law, it's also first and foremost Japanese law. Mm -hmm. Um, but the reality is that the United States of America doesn't really have policies on how you're supposed to handle sensitive information like that. Yeah. Most of the, most of the um, direct- directive that uh, people in information technologies are given by the government has to do with things like HIPAA. Um, a lot of government entities have very specific rules that you can use, but there's not really that much on what you can and can't keep for tax records mm-hmm. in general. Um, the uh, The, I don't wanna say FDIC, but like the IRS hasn't really come up to date with all that yeah. information in terms of technology yet. And even more so when it deals with feeling like dealing with a foreign country. So that's interesting, that's, that's why it was interesting to me. I know mm-hmm. it's interesting to a lot of other people for different reasons, cause everyone's like concerned, like, oh no, Capcom has gotten rid of my password of guile sucks just up forward. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I get it, <laughs> but that there are bigger concerns. There are much, yeah. much bigger concerns. Absolutely. Um, worst case scenario, what you could see is something like and this is not me, this is not me like picking on a tournament, it's literally just me making an example from the top of my head. Um, EVO could have their tax information taken from Mm -hmm. this because they work very, very closely with Capcom, that's not a secret. So like that could be the end of a large event like that. It could be a lot. It could be very, very bad. It could be very, very good. It could be literally nothing. I'm going to be honest, a terabyte of data, is probably nothing. <laughs> Only a terabyte, I would really not even be concerned. Yeah, um, considering it's just how long more of where they yeah, stuff. It's more of where that terabyte is located. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah. but yeah, the other thing too, is uh, I do want to just clarify this, as far as I know, uh, from what I've read, and from what I understand, they didn't publicly say anything, they just sent a memo out to stockholders. And yeah, the stock exactly shared that memo. So it, there wasn't like any like, front-facing public announcement or anything like that see that
1: makes sense to me that that makes absolute and complete sense to me because that's typically what american companies do except they are not required to tell their stock um Mm -hmm. holders in any capacity um before a certain point in time and there was like obviously large lobbying that allowed these companies to do it because yeah no but it's just it's one of those things it's it shows that there is a lot of um I don't want to say ethics with Capcom, but it shows that they hold their investors to a very high standard, mm. which is something that you don't typically see in large companies, specifically video game companies. People try to hold information. But this is also a Japanese company, so I don't know if there's a Japanese law that requires this. Right. Um, I'm also seeing inside of the chat right now that their stock has gone down eleven and uh eleven point eight points. Or is that eleven point eight percent? I, I don't yeah, is it, it actually percent? Or are we confirming it's percent and hey, not Google, points?
0: What's Capcom stock look like now? The temperature in Comstock right now is seventy-two degrees. Mm. All right. Mm. That's exactly what I wanted. Nice. Thanks, Google.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> suffice it to say, suffice it to say there has been a town turn in their stock, and while this information probably isn't pertinent to a lot of people inside the fighting game community out of marketing and um social general community level. I'm sure there are a lot of things that people are thinking about right now as it pertains to Capcom of America, Capcom, um, Capcom of Japan, and, and probably, honestly, even uh, adjacent companies like Bandai Namco, mm-hmm. companies like uh, Arc Systems. These are all companies that have worked with Capcom in the past, and may be looking at it as, you know, a competitor going And having some bad press right now it could affect Mm -hmm. the the way that not their q4 ends but uh, it's negative three points okay thank you thank you yeah that's that's a oof (laughs) it's not that bad but it is it is important to note that that means that they lost everything that they had previously and then also went down three so that's that's kind of a big deal right
0: (laughs) yeah and yeah, and like you said, like Capcom worked with so many other companies this year. Mm-hmm. I like, just too off the back of my brain, I can think of right now are you know Bandai Namco with Akuma and Tekken, and yep. of course all the crazy Capcom characters in Nintendo. So let's hope that none of uh, none. Of, let's hope that nothing too bad happened.
1: Yeah, we don't know how bad it yeah. is, and the reality is, we probably never really will. Probably because too. whatever they choose to disclose to the public is completely and totally up to them. There is no. St- there is no precedent for what they're required to tell specifically consumers unless they have reason to believe that specific information was shared and that's u.s law i don't know japanese law yeah. but yeah uh, like soul says it's probably super boring stuff you're probably right i'm just saying this is worst case scenario mm-hmm. right i i have no information about what was taken i'm just saying what i what could yeah. have
0: happened yeah we won't yeah like you said we don't know we probably won't know this will be in one of those like unsolved mystery manila folders in the back of a giant warehouse. like they, For a while, that minute, for a while, yeah. For a, yeah, for a hot minute. Speaking of other companies doing weird things, let's talk about Tekken 7. Tekken 7 Season 4 released this week, but before it even released, there's been controversy. Bandai Namco Europe decided to release the Tekken 7 Season 4 patch to a couple of influencers, some of which, most of which, we're not FGC related. They thought, "Hey, mm. let's send uh, let's send this out to people to generate some uh, you know some excitement around it." And boy, did it backfire! Because there are a lot of uh, a lot of uh, commentators, tos players who sacrifice a lot of their personal life and wind up helping Bandai Namco as is right. That's been the big argument: is there are a lot of commentators who. Uh, due to the pandemic now, don't have much to do and don't have a lot of work that they normally would have. Uh, there are a lot of TOs that no longer have the work and the security that they would have. And then to see Ben and Emco say, Nah, not you. Let's send it over to these other people who got the Twitter followers. Uh, feels or the like checkmark, a bit...
1: the Twitter checkmark.
0: Yeah. Oh, so by the way, congratulations on your Twitter checkmark. <laughs> Did you get the Season 4 tech and patch early?
1: I did not, because I didn't have a check mark at
0: the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so with all this said, a lot of people got, uh, they felt attacked. Not, uh, maybe not attacked, but they, they felt like uh, the company that they had been involved with and did a lot for had then betrayed them. Mm-hmm. Later it came out that this decision was made by Capcom, or sorry, Capcom, geez. Bandai Namco Europe and Bandai, Bandai Namco Europe only. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw that because somebody specifically asked Harada what his thought was, and Harada's response was a this. He said on Twitter, It's a horribly nonsense operation. I don't understand the marketing sense of the European team. Also, you should stop thinking that I'm giving some instructions to every corner of the world from 1 to 100 like God. <sighs> So thanks Harada for clarifying. <laughs> That's Harada.
1: That last that last quote is so incredibly important because it really there are a couple of things that happen here and I apologize if I go a little bit long, but um, it's something that I do enjoy talking about is the actual um, the actual relationship of development uh, developers, specifically publishers and uh, the marketing team, because they are all completely different companies at the same overarching branch, right? So what you have is, first of all, you have Bandai Namco, which has a base specifically headquarters inside of Japan, but then you have separate subsidiaries, which all get information back from Bandai Namco Japan. Right now, each one of these subsidiaries like Bandai Namco Europe is also a completely different company, just under the same Bandai Namco branch. Think of like a kind of a franchise almost and they're all different things but they some of them are allowed to act autonomously it's completely up to the company right capcom can choose uh, how they want capcom of japan or capcom of america or capcom of europe to act and bandai namco can choose if they want everybody to act as if uh, bandai namco japan or bandai namco uh, europe or bandai namco of america all want to act together right it's completely up to the company what it sounds like here was bandai namco of europe had direction on how to handle it. And they chose to handle it a certain way. And that was just their choice. And so asking Harada what happened there is him basically saying, I just designed the game. I'm not in any way, shape or form affiliated with the marketing unless I want to be in charge of it. And I mean, Man, just came out with another patch. You know what I mean? Like, y'all leave him alone. Let him alone. Let him deal with his patches. <laughs> I get it. I really do. That frustration, it really resonates with me.
0: <laughs> yeah. no, And I think it does with a lot of other people. The other thing, too, that I want to mention is Harada has been doing some crazy uh, research since this mm. patch hit. Uh, just yesterday, I saw him on two different streams. I was watching a people playing Tekken, and he was asking, mm. hey, how's, it? how's, the, how's this netcode? And everybody was like, oh, my God, it's amazing. So, in short, the new patch came out. It has new netcode improvements. It has the new tech and prowess system. It has a bunch of other stuff. And everybody seems to be over the moon with the netcode. I played a little bit of it yesterday. I'll be honest. I played with a buddy of mine in Portland. We usually have Mm. a shitty connection. We could play, you know. Mm. It went from, like, a two bar to a uh, a four bar connection. And it felt pretty good. Now, this leads to another thing. That I wanted to talk about, and do we all have egg on our face now? Because I remember before when uh, Harada was explaining why he couldn't do certain things with Netcode, et cetera, et cetera. I remember everybody, everybody called bullshit on it. Everybody said, Harada, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. 3D's and 2D games all treat Netcode the same. Now here he comes with this amazing Netcode where. People have been saying that there are playable matches between California and Japan, California-Australia, Australia-Japan, Japan-Philippines. Somebody even played from, uh, from Wisconsin to Saudi Arabia and they had a playable match. It wasn't perfect, but it was playable. See,
1: I, would like to, I would like to hear about like, a New York-Japan J- match. That's what I want to hear. That's what really wows me as a player. But it's still an astounding feat, like 100%.
0: Yeah, like, (laughs) post to coast matches have become very playable, and I very much do look forward to seeing uh, future online tournaments. Uh, Specifically, I think I saw – I was watching Rip stream, um, and I specifically saw him try from – like, he was just getting people from all over the place, right? So he had – uh, people from, and he's in LA, so he had, he played people from the UK, he, play, he played somebody from Romania, I think, at some point, he played somebody from Portugal, it's like, and all of, and granted, like I said, nothing's perfect, right? You, there, yeah. It's still, you could still see, like, where things fall apart as far as the yeah. distance and the net codes go, but it's playable at the end of the day, and beforehand, that would not have been the case, because you would be, it would be like a three-second delay, you would press a button, and you would have to wait until, like six o'clock in the afternoon to come back and play. So do we all have egg on our face? When everybody was saying, Harada, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, Netcode? And specifically the the one thing that uh a friend of mine have been memeing over is whenever somebody <laughs> was talking to Harada about rollback, Harada goes, Tekken is three Right, which obviously means Tekken has a three frame buffer delay. But with the with the uh the Language barrier, he just, it translated to Tekken is three, which I, it's, is a hilarious statement uh, out of context. But yeah, so did Harada know what he was talking about the entire time and we didn't? where where i happen
1: to remember i happen to remember stating something my whole thought process at the time if i remember correctly which i may not so i apologize but i think i said something like it may be difficult to implement because the game is 3d and it would take a lot of resources if they were to implement rollback netbook code as we know it and i remember stating if they change the way ggpo is implemented because now it was open source due to, I believe, Tony or Tom Cannon making it open source and free Mm -hmm. to everybody. Uh, I don't know what changes Harada made to it, but they clearly have worked. I also don't know if Harada utilized GGPO in any capacity, but it's very nice to see that certain things were implemented. What I'm very interested in seeing is um, the actual processing load on the devices that are running the new patch. I'm, I'm interested to see that, honestly, and I'm interested to see if there's a sizable increase between this patch and last patch, specifically due to netcode. But I, I'm going to be very honest with you, that's asking a lot, because <laughs> there's a lot of information you can't see behind the scenes, especially on a, something like a PlayStation 4, mm-hmm. right? Um, But I know most people play on PC, so that would be an interesting thing to, like, test. I'd also be very interested to see, like, I know there's some way of, like, actually testing the amount of lag that occurs in general. and It'd be interesting to see how, on average, that lag has changed. I know there's, like, some Twitter account that does that. Mm -hmm. So I'd be interested in seeing those specific statistics before I speak any more intelligently on it. But it is very interesting to me. And I think that I, for one, do have egg on my face because it sounds like I was completely incorrect about there being any type of hardware uh, or resource or resource uh, limiter on why it could be implemented. It's very nice to see that uh, Harada went the extra mile and was able to implement something that changed the way that the actual game was being enjoyed by consumers, especially before a large season passed. That's uh, fantastic, honestly.
0: Yeah, and uh, if you don't believe us in saying that people are enjoying playing Tekken, the player base, the concurrent player base, from Friday till today has more than doubled. Uh they had about 3400 people playing it on Friday. As of yesterday, they had about 900 or 9700 people. Or oh, I'm sorry, it was 4000 wow. on Friday. It's 9000 today. So, uh it more than doubled and it's probably still increasing. Uh the other thing I wanted to talk about too is with this new netcode, the entire online meta is has completely changed. For the game mm. right uh i specifically was watching anakin play a little earlier he was trying out kunimitsu we'll talk about her in just a little bit uh and one of the big things that i think caught my eye and it caught everybody's eye really was the fact that when you played tekken in the older patch there are a lot of slow lows right in the game and those since they were hard to react to because you had a delayed reaction in the game were used a lot and that gave people a lot of uh Reward for something that was normally offline risky online. Not so much because people have a hard time reacting to that stuff. (laughs) I watched Anakin react to three lows in a row by somebody playing Zafina and my jaw hit the ground. I was like, oh, my God, this is game changing. This is amazing. I can't wait to see this shit happen in tournament. Um and that has brought a lot of this, this taste for a couple of the online warriors. Uh, I specifically good. was watching uh, – yes, absolutely good. I agree. Good. I specifically was watching Flo play yesterday a little bit, and he was fighting oh. against someone who would just do one thing. And it worked in Season 3, right, with the old netcode because you weren't able to react to it. Once Flow started reacting to it, the person rage quit. It's like, all right, good. since your gimmick doesn't work anymore, you're just going to leave. it's what they deserve it's what what they
1: deserve deserve. that same (laughs) anger that they have right there is exactly what they deserve good now surpass your anger
0: go back to the lab boy.
1: harness it
0: (laughs) harness it nice uh what was it uh I was gonna to try to honest. quote Emperor Palpatine, oh, but I don't remember any quotes from what Emperor you, Palpatine. What were you gonna
1: say? What were you gonna say? Uh,
0: no, I I just think it's super interesting that the online meta has changed so drastically just by something like implementing a change to the code and not even like taking game a game balance into account yet. See, so. that's
1: that's something that I've always taken for granted. I shouldn't even say take it for granted inside of Skullgirls because it's, I don't play games with Batnet netcode. I, I refuse to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just because as a player, there are certain things that I can excuse inside of a game and me losing to something that literally does not work in the way that the game is supposed to be enjoyed is not something that I can excuse. If I play someone, for example, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, your reason you're able to spam super dash right now because you know that I won't be able to react in 2h fast enough to cancel mm-hmm. it right now and that's kind of scummy and that doesn't in any way shape or form help me improve as a person or as a player things like that inside of a game especially on the online make it so that i don't want to play it and uh, when i was playing schoolgirls, when i play them fighting herds i don't feel that way i feel like if i'm going to a tournament i can take the same practice that i've used and it's not wasted time that's a big deal for me inside a fighting game that I know is a big deal for a lot of other players. So, personally, I'm just really happy that the Tekken community finally gets to enjoy that luxury to a certain degree more than they did prior.
0: Right. Not even talking about the netcode. Mm. There's also a bunch of other shit that Tekken now has, one mm. including a new character, Kunimitsu. Uh, I have not played her myself, but I did see a couple of other people play her. She uh, she seems strong with very bad lows. So, take that. Do we for have what a you trailer want. for her. Uh, we actually don't have the trailer downloaded. I apologize. Okay. okay. Um, Oopsies no no. on my part.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, that one's on me. Uh, actually, no. I, uh, they had a season four trailer that we didn't get, so that's mm. that's my fault. Uh, but I think we saw a gameplay trailer of her a little while ago. But uh, she looks unlike any other Tekken Seven character. I'm willing. I'm comfortable saying. Uh, mm-hmm. simply because the the flourishes around her character are very different, right? It's like the new te- uh it's much like how we saw she reminds me a lot of noctis in a way uh she seems like she has a lot of moves of his but there's a lot of particle effects that come out uh, of her blade there's a lot of crazy uh hit effects that she has she has a lot of teleports a lot of all this other stuff that looks very very impressive uh that i don't think we've seen with any other character like even the characters that do have a teleport like raven uh and uh characters that do have more particle effects like Eliza. They seem. To, they just seem to gel a little bit better. So it feels like the team that's working in Tekken Seven uh, seems to be getting a hang of what they want their visual style to look like. As I punch my microphone, um, but yeah, I can't really speak on the character myself because I have not played her. But people seem very happy with her. Um, they think she looks cool and she is doing great. So there's Kunimitsu. Uh, one final thing to uh, to point out is um, what was I saying?
1: Kunamitsu, new patch, one final thing to come out. I just Not completely lost the character of Well, here's the thing that I know about it Go is it. Um, the final thing I do want to talk about is the fact that all of those things were given out to FGC influencers. I know we didn't get to talk about it that much, but I did want to bring it back up just because there's a point uh, that I was getting here, too. More so than the fact that I did just get verified on Twitter, which I am very, very happy about. Thank you again to me. That's what we call a humble brag inside of the industry. Thank you, everyone. Twitter.com slash ThePurpleSharpie. Anyway, um, the thing I wanted to talk about is something that happens inside of the fighting game community. In general, the reason why I bring up verification is because it's the thing that allows us to be viewable outside to people who don't follow it the games competitively. Right. So when someone sees Bandai Namco or when someone sees Tekken 7 specifically on Twitter and then underneath the recommended, it's like uh, Harada, RIP. Tasty Steve, those are the only people they see. <laughs> they don't see everybody else out here making the these events happen. They don't see all of the multiple streamers. They don't see all of the multiple commentators. They don't see Alicia. They don't see uh, I mean, they see Cuddlecore now you see Arslan Ash, but you don't see all these other very talented Tekken players like even Pink Diamond um, or, or um, I'm blanking right now, but I will remember. Actually, wait, Pink Diamond plays Killer Instinct, not Tekken. I, I renege that statement. But basically, my whole point here is that there are a lot of very, very talented people that don't typically get seen, even even just outside of Europe, exclusively because of how visible they are on social media. Something that I've seen happen a lot in general during these quarantine times is that more people are making an effort to do things like content creation. Even earlier in this stream and this podcast, we stated that CEO Jabali was moving specifically into content creation now that he is no longer running offline events with DreamHack or with CEO Gaming. And that's a big deal because there is a large lack of visibility that we as a community receive exclusively because most of the content that we create, we can only create via either one, a uh, recording the game (laughs) or two, going to events physically right those are the two types of content you mostly saw coming out of fgc you didn't see people doing things like huge comedy videos you didn't see things like pre-made um pre-made uh pre-made television content even stuff like that people didn't typically make huge documentaries with the exception of like hold back to block and a couple of other content creators but it's just very interesting to me that now with quarantine more people are making an effort to do it and yet we still have not gotten to the point where we're visible enough, even inside of our own games, to get eyes on us. That's interesting to me personally. Uh, Elon, do you have any thoughts on that as well?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because you know we see for, uh, a lot of people see the FGC as like a grassroots statement. That's the antithesis of what esports is, right? Even though you should
1: highlight like, yourself here.
0: Fine, I hate doing it. I did it. I hit the right button. Uh, so. We, In the FGC, we see ourselves as the antithesis of the esports industry, right? Where it's like the big state, everybody has the big stages, the millions and millions of pop bonuses, and all this other stuff. Whereas the FGC, you know, when I got into it, it was ballrooms. And even before uh-huh. that, it was garages and uh, arcades. So, in a way, the FGC is its own bubble, much like how we see Smash, uh, the Melee uh-huh. community. It, we're just, it, we're our own bubble where we're not necessarily. U- Used to or necessarily wanting all that outside attention because we have our own thing that has been changing these past uh this past decade and because there's been so much resistance to change in the FGC I think uh that's what's causing that's what's kind of caused the FGC to lack as far as like a a presence. In mm-hmm. the uh, in the general like online community and such, as far as like influencers and such goes, I mean not mm-hmm. to say that we don't because we do have mm-hmm. people like Justin Wong, we have people like Tasty Steve. Uh, we have Yo, people shout like out Se-Gen. to Justin
1: Wong, Cuddlecore, and um, Tasty Steve, obviously because all of their content recently during this quarantine, fantastic. And I want to congratulate Justin again on securing a job not as a player but as a, a staff member on Pandal Global. It, mm-hmm. I believe is like one of his very first times receiving a role. Where he's not required to become a player. That's huge. That's a huge turn of events. Um, and uh, I, I want to also double back on the point that you stated earlier. And I we may be getting a little bit too much into it. Tell me if you have to cut me short. If you have to put the timer, if you have to put the timer up. <laughs>
0: oh, we're good at seven o'clock. We still have plenty. Of okay. Time.
1: Cool. 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 So basically, what I w- I want to harken back to the point of we are our own bubble, like Smash and 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 you know FGC and Smash are two totally different eSports bubbles, right? That's interesting because Nintendo in general actually refuses to acknowledge competitive Smash and that's what holds them back in a certain regard. We inside of the fighting game community have our publishers, have our developers, and have the headliners working with us to establish something and yet we're still unable to change a certain way exclusively because of the community and because of the general outlook of it, not because um, it's a matter of we don't have money coming from the publishers. That's that's what's interesting to me. If you look at it exclusively from a black and white resume standpoint between Super Smash Brothers, the Super Smash Brothers community, and the general uh, traditional fighting game community, that's a very interesting point. Yeah. Uh,
0: and, and, what do you think about that? Ima? Yeah, much. Li- uh, and to add to that too is the I think that all stems from the fact that the developers and publishers that we in the FGC the traditional fighting game side of it i don't want to say fgc Mm -hmm. and smash because that's not a thing yeah traditional fighting
1: game is what i've been saying because they're both fighting games but traditional implies you know street fighter mortal kombat killer instinct
0: so in the traditional fighting game sect of the fgc Mm -hmm. uh the developers and the publishers and the um and the game companies do see it as an um symbiotic relationship, right? Where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they give us things and then our excitement and our going to tournaments uh, help propel them up to uh, uh, help uh, that company grow. Uh, while Guaranteed our sales. Grows, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our, our community grows, the company grows. Rising Tide raises all ships. With Nintendo, it's kind of a completely different relationship where you have mm-hmm. Nintendo who's an already set gigantic company. They are set in their ways. They know what they want and then you have this budding uh, community growing that Nintendo isn't too sure about. And, you know, like, we, we usually talk about this. Anytime something negative happens, everybody starts thinking, oh, is that going to reflect negatively on Nintendo? Blah, blah, yeah. blah. Which I think is a very unfair thing to to assume, right? Like, if something happens in the Smash community, that it will reflect negatively on Nintendo. Much like if something happens in, like, the fighting game community, it will negatively affect Capcom or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but y- that comparison is always made. So... Mm-hmm i think nintendo sees it as like a instead of seeing it as like a symbiotic relationship where it'll help drive more sales or anything i think they see it as something that will drive people away right because it's Mm -hmm. because it's putting a specific spin on their game that is people really want to work hard and be the best at it and it's like competitive and gritty and hard where what they want is just a fun family game and i think sakurai has publicly stated that before yes so I think it's just like those different like philosophies uh, and those different relationships with the developers that kind of uh, drive the, the rift of the community and the developer uh, mm-hmm. and on the Smash side and drive the growth on the community and developer side on the traditional fighter sense. And when you compare it to other esports, like let's say, for example, League of Legends, where the developer and publisher is... The esports side of things as well. Yeah, that's where, and that's why things skyrocket on their end because they have mm-hmm. the big push from the support, uh, the developers, the supporters who then put on the work, uh, put in the work to make it the event as big as it can be, so that they can drive more sales, right? Because that's p- part. If of I their may whole... here um,
1: interject on that point, because yeah. I I love Riot games first of all. Well, I shouldn't say I love Riot games, but like I. Play League of Legends excessively. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so, like, their history and everything growing up is actually very similar to the FGC. And the mm-hmm. only difference, the only difference is that they are based off of a game that already had a very, very, very established esports scene. Mm-hmm. So, their developers already knew. The, 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 the promise that could come from it so mm-hmm. when Riot was created when they were this small independent game they had no qualms whatsoever of all of that right yeah. and then Twitch blows up and then they're like well we're in the money <laughs> so yeah. it, it's very interesting to me about how easily that change happened and how you're seeing it not necessarily be reflected right now inside of the fighting game community even though that same, uh, that same reflection kind of happens between the developers and these events right yeah um and i also want to state that in on the smash side i know that nintendo has put out alms and blessings to the community so i don't want to make it seem like they're completely against everything going on on the smash side but it's just very strange to me that nintendo hasn't personally started their own esports circuit because they could they very easily could they've done it before with like the pokemon trading card game
0: yeah i think they've tried but every time they try because it's not like the Fighting game side of it that already has like an established yeah. set and everything. that's uh, the people big problem. If they just shy away from it,
1: if they literally just hired like VG boot camp, like and just brought them all full time as like you're now in charge of our esports sector, you would see absolutely no problems with like a majority of the community any any longer. And that's what kills me about it is that mm-hmm. like it's that it, it seems that simple to me personally, um, but to other people, I don't. I guess. I guess my confusion is why you would not care enough about things like that. And um, someone in chat is stating, "I thought Nintendo isn't a fan of Smash being seen as competitive." It's not necessarily that. It's specifically that the majority of people that play games competitively don't reflect the image that Nintendo wants to bring to all of their games. Mm-hmm. When you think about Nintendo, uh, like I think it's something like. 85 or 87% of their base is mostly individuals underneath the age of 18. That's crazy. That is a crazy amount of consumers. And if you are mostly marketing to children, you want to make sure that nothing interferes with that idea of children being wholesome and being fun because they're not the ones buying the, your game. Their parents are buying their games. Yep. And those parents are going to see something and they're like, if this has this and this and it, I can't get it for my little kid. And the thing that probably no one wants to talk about is the fact that the number one consumer inside of America is like the cis white Christian male. So <laughs> yep. you want to market to that as much as possible. Same in Japan. You want to market to the cis Japanese man who's out here literally buying things for his family. And he's not going to buy something gory for his little kids.
0: Yeah. So well, the I- other the other thing too is uh, somebody in the chat saying if having an esports circuit would impact sales. No, it wouldn't. Uh, Mm. I I think – and that's, I think, the other thing too is like Nintendo is such a big company that the thought of throwing money at an eSports circuit or anything like that is unappealing because they're already – Like they already have their sales right they don't think like uh they're not necessarily like a uh, red bull is
1: happy to throw money red bull is very happy to throw money monster is very happy to throw money capcom to a certain degree is even very happy to market for things i want to give you all context here Mm -hmm. i'm not going to say any dollar amounts i'm not going to say anything specific as it pertains to the ftc these are all examples that are coming off the top of my head but something like even a quarter of a million dollars Capcom would probably be very happy to throw away exclusively on marketing for something like Monster Hunter. Mm-hmm. And they have. They have. Mm-hmm. I won't say figures because I don't know the exact figures, but I can tell you that they marketed that game inside of PlayStation. and They marketed that game inside of PSO2. They marketed that game outside of video games in general on yep. television. They have marketed that game inside of Capcom games like Street Fighter, Devil May Cry. They spend money like it is nothing. Mm-hmm. They would happily do it. Arc System did an online pro tour with $25,000. To them, that's nothing. To them, that's literally nothing. That is something that changes a person's worth. That means nothing to a company. That is something that they would be happy to put as long as they get to say, we use this for marketing and we increased our percent by a percent of a percent. That's all they wanna see. They want to get people that they know will play the game for years to come. If it takes $25,000 for them to secure that, they will secure it.
0: <laughs> well, look at it in the in the terms of like the, the old Japanese company who's set in their ways, mm. right? seeing mm-hmm. something in a different light and trying to throw money at it might be a very difficult hurdle to get through and it might be a yeah. thing where people in the company might want to do it but you have one one exec or one person who calls the shot saying no that's so... all it
1: takes that's literally all it takes is the one person especially at nintendo because Nintendo's very very good about listening to creators of games they do mm-hmm. that sakurai has complete and total control over what happens with super smash brothers like don't let anyone tell you different and he stated that publicly prior um, I'm pretty certain. You may have to fact check me on that one. But I do know that there are things that a developer in a game specifically at Nintendo can say or do that impacts the way that it is received by the consumer and directly affects how it is marketed and how Nintendo chooses to market it based off how the, that developer's vision because Nintendo cares so much about being um, I want to say, like pure to the idea of the game. It's more about the experience than about the, the 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 competitive drive, and that's always something that Nintendo has been very upfront about. I think the only ex- the only exception I can really think of to date is when they came out with that Arms League. You remember that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That was kind of weird because I I had never really seen a Nintendo sanctioned esports event like that before. And they tried it, they kind of tried it with Splatoon, and I don't think it went over so well. I just don't think those games have huge market value the way that they are expecting. Um, but they were trying to set the basis for it, the same thing with Smash, which was a nice front, but it mm-hmm. just didn't work because that established base wasn't there yet. Right. So it's, it's interesting. I know, I know, obviously, they're trying, and they're trying to a lesser degree than other companies are. It's disappointing, because I believe, as of right now, they are to be very honest and to be very blunt about it, I don't know who wants to hear this, but they are the number one selling fighting game in the world right now. (laughs) Like, that's just the truth. More people have bought Super Smash Bros. Ultimate than have ever bought any other fighting game ever. That's kind of insane to me, uh, but when you really think about it, it makes sense because everyone with the Switch bought that game. Every single person. Every Mm -hmm. single person with the Switch bought that game ridiculous ridiculous so when you really think about it do they want to make sure everyone keeps playing that game or do they want to come out with another game where everyone just buys even more so to them from a marketing standpoint maybe it just makes more sense to just come out with a whole brand new one and just push out a bunch more characters that they can do and just have let people have fun with it so it's it's kind of a weird balance it's super bizarre because smash doesn't have that same player redemption because they have an everlasting threshold of new players that other traditional fighting games don't necessarily get to capitalize on. If you saw Street Fighter have that same amount of sales in general, the FTC would be a much different place. The entire audience that we have would skyrocket similar to the way League of Legends did, similar to the way that Dota 2 did, similar to the way that even like to a lesser extent Warcraft 3 did. So uh, there are a lot of other examples of games that have, because they found that player base after they created a competitive circuit, were able to do that. The traditional fighting game community is kind of unique in the sense that our community dislikes that, dislikes that very, 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 very immensely. Um, so it's just, it's a waiting game.
0: Yeah, for sure. And the other thing I wanted to point out too is uh, as far as games like Dota and League of Legends and a mm-hmm. couple of others, the, the one thing that I think strikes me is the barrier of entry right because mm. for for something like smash or for something like a competitive fighting game much to i think the one exception is killer instinct i believe in, mm. in the fighting game community for dota for league of legends the buy in is zero you can yeah. down, if you have a working computer you can download the game and you mm-hmm. can start playing right now right and
1: i want to point out that other games like uh, Fighting, not Fighting Layer, but Rising Thunder had mm-hmm. a very, very large audience exclusively yep. because of their free-to-play um, free-to-play model. Did Fighting Layer? Did Fighting Ex Layer? Or I'm thinking of another game that came out recently. You know which one? The one that everyone is like, you have to play, and doesn't have like traditional health, but they have chunks or bars, like little yellow indicators, and you have like nine of them or something. Um, I don't remember what it is, but basically. That's Fantasy a big strike. point. Fantasy Strike, thank you. Thank you, they thank you. Fantasy play, Strike yeah. was free to play. Yeah, and you, you see a lot of people streaming that game. You see a lot of people playing that game. You see a lot of people enjoying that game. Free to play is a huge business model that is very easy to market and is very, very, I don't want to say like successful, but very, very lucrative
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: because of the players that you get to retain because it's an ever-turning amount of players, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the problem becomes... Once again, this is where I'm talking about the community, right? Because people who see free-to-play are like, okay, so I can enjoy this game for free, but y'all are going to milk money out of me. And the FGC is super against paying money for next to anything. The
0: other thing, thing too, is a free-to-play model, as lucrative as it can be, it's so risky. Because if the game does not take off, you're fucked. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then you Mm -hmm. just dumped all this money into this game that you released and nobody's going to pay money for it and you're screwed. So that's why that's why it is such a scary thing, and if it works, it works. Like, look at League of Legends, look at Dota, look at uh, Hearthstone. Hearthstone mm-hmm. had such a ridiculously large uh, player base
1: brawlhalla and i believe i don't i don't think rivals of the aether is free but brawlhalla is a very good example of an independent company that did very very well using the free-to-play market and capitalized on uh the platforming fighter games that smash is under as well so that 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 is a fantastic example i think of someone doing free-to-play correct and also engaging in the um, the community and also making sure that like everything that they did was sustainable to the point that they were able to become successful i 'll be honest i don 't know how the brawlhalla circuit uh, so far is going, but i 've heard good things i 've heard very good things, so it 's nice
0: yeah there was a lot of money dumped into it from for the last year mm. circuit i don 't know how they're doing this year or what they're doing. The other thing I wanted it's to point weird. out weird yeah <laughs> i, I haven 't kept up with it, so I apologize, but the other thing I wanted to point out before we move on is mm. killer instinct mm. launch date on the xbox one
1: is that real what oh i thought you were saying that they that someone was announcing killer instinct for the xbox series it it
0: came out okay it came out on launch with the xbox one sorry for the yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah. okay okay it was the most downloaded
0: yeah it was the most downloaded game Mm -hmm. for that year i believe
1: yep yep
0: the one issue is because it was an Xbox exclusive and not a lot of people had the Xbox one, uh, it didn't grow in the FGC. And by the time that it did become free to play for other people and it came out on PC and such, I think the FGC had already moved on, which is such a shame because I think that game is absolutely amazing. And it's so that game fun. is
1: actually amazing. I, I, I'm i going to be very honest. After that documentary came out um, that Esteban did, Hold mm-hmm. Back to Block, which everyone should check out, it's on YouTube, features a lot of predominant characters. Um, members inside of the community, including uh, I believe MPhil, uh, Adam Keats, and mm-hmm. Sajam, um, as well as Nikki FGC, mm-hmm. and I even think, I think they had an, ex- an excerpt with Pink Diamond in there where she's reacting to something, which was great. There's a lot of people who are very, very well known inside of that community, and that documentary should definitely check it out. But one of the things that I noted inside of there was that just between Season 1 and Season 2, there were so many changes that made the game significantly better, but it was kind of a little bit too late at that point, and that's what sucked about it. Yeah, That really sucked, because they were doing all the right things. Every single thing that Iron Galaxies did with Killer Instinct Season 2 was correct. Mm-hmm. All of it. And it was just such unfortunate timing. That was it. It was, that was yeah. literally it. It was unfortunate timing on an unfortunate platform because if they had done that on release, more events would have gotten an Xbox One and more people would have bought an Xbox One. And if they had marketed it better in general from Microsoft, more I would have bought an Xbox One. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: the other thing too is even the season two to season three, where they had the KI Cup and everybody Mm -hmm. came to San Antonio. And they had Keats and they had David Lang there. Everybody was there. Everybody was so excited. And then they sat there for like six hours going through every single change they were making for season three. I wish that was shit more developers did because they were in a room with people. So everybody was reacting to it, which made it even more hilarious. And in the presentation, Keats would be like, hey, we did this because of this. Like, we yeah. gave Sabrewolf a... you asked
1: for this, so we did it.
0: Yeah, it's like, we gave Sabrewolf a fucking dive kick because he can't dash as well as he used to before. Like, he, like they would go through everything that they did and the, philo- the philosophy of why they did it and why it's considered... Uh, why they decided it was a good idea and what it was going to bring to the game. And the fact that they spent that time with everybody in the room showing all of this off. I remember watching it live and just being so enthralled with it because it was so cool. I wish that stuff would happen more. That
1: level of transparency you don't see in general in gaming. Mm -hmm. Seeing it specifically inside of a niche group like fighting games is huge. That's a huge game changer. If anybody at Capcom had ever did that with any level of Street Fighter V, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, hell, even, man, I'm going to get slack for saying this, but Street Fighter Cross Tekken, uh, it may have done better. It may Mm -hmm. have done better. You know, like just being able to hear from the developers, this is why we did this. And what we're seeing even with just the Dragon Ball universe is them doing that is changing the way that the Dragon Ball community grows. It's creating more informed players. It's creating more active players. It's creating more, um, I wanna say sustainable. It's, It's a much more sustainable model. And I've always felt my biggest frustration in general, specifically with fighting game developers, is that that's not something that is considered important until it's almost too late. If it were up to me and I were in charge of all of these huge companies marketing and everything, that would be the very first thing that I establish as a game plan on how I'm going to help market the game. And it wouldn't just be throwing money to make sure that like this huge event happened or to make sure that like this huge tournament happened or to make sure that like we got our name inside of like Final Fantasy, the MMO. It would be to make sure that the developers are able to inform people of these changes and to make sure that the community understands how it's going to work because that's what changes the way that people receive and that changes your public. Uh, reputation. I feel like too often people are still on this old 90s and even early 2000s model of I'm just going to post something inside of Game Informer and that's where the gamers going to get their idea. No they go to streams now they 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 aren't over here watching youtube reviews for certain games they're out here literally going to live streams and if you aren't out here educating all of your new players with a live stream then nobody's watching that's just the reality of it so it's it's an interesting dynamic to me personally and i'm sorry i know we went a little bit longer about it than i expected
0: no i mean i'm (laughs) I'm glad we had this discussion um But yeah, that's, uh, that's stuff I kind of want to see more. And I guess to a degree we're seeing it, right? Uh, we have Blue in the chat mentioning that uh, Arxis is starting to talk to the community uh, for That Strive. was the
1: big one I wanted to bring up, yeah. And that's what I I feel like you were kind of moving towards when you were talking about Tekken and the, uh, the netcode or the new characters because we were kind of moving there and that's what mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about was I felt like Guilty Gear Strive as opposed to the previous uh, games that they've come out with, has been fantastic in terms of communication. Mm -hmm. I can't speak as much as to how I feel about the actual game itself, but I will say that I feel very, 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 very strongly, like as a player, I'm respected by Arc System, and I also feel like I can put time into that game and not in any way, shape, or feel like I'm wasting my time. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's something that I don't feel very frequently. So it's nice. It's a yeah. nice change.
0: And the other thing, too, is I think it's even happening with Capcom to a degree, right? Because now mm-hmm. we're having, pre- we're getting presentations where the director and the producer of Street Fighter 5 are speaking to the community, right? Like they, mm-hmm. It's exactly how they do with Monster Hunter, where Monster Hunter, they started having these streams where they're like, hey, this is the shit we're changing. Here's what's coming down the pipeline, and here's where we're at. See you mm-hmm. next time. That's what they started doing with Street Fighter V, and that's why we got that presentation not too long ago where they revealed Dan, right? They Mm -hmm. showed Dan, they showed the characters, and they said, hey, this is what's coming down the pipeline. Here's where we're at. Things are a little delayed, but we'll catch you in the next presentation, right?
1: They should include at least one top player in the presentation is something I'm reading in chat right now. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of weird for me personally just because here's my whole thing. I don't always feel like certain top players are um, receptive to this format in general because you get players like Chris G who just say whatever comes to their mind. And to be honest, they're not always thinking about the best for the community in moments like that. So I am comfortable with commentators and um, informed analytical players being on there that may not necessarily be top players. I am comfortable with even well-known YouTubers or well-known streamers being at these events. And I almost say like top players if they really want to want to go to these uh, special inclusions where they're showing off new characters, I almost feel like they should probably be a little bit better about how they present themselves as not just players.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's yeah. that's the reality, and that's the tea, honey.
0: Yeah. Well, here's the thing too uh, that I've I've always thought this, but I think having players involved with development stuff has never really ended up being good with very few exceptions Mm. right uh even even having players involved with releases like i can point to the mvci release where they had f champ in the middle of the evo stage being like oh my god it's jedi i had no idea uh but uh even having some stuff like that it's like i I feel like it 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 puts a weird taste in my mouth because in a fighting game sense even if we're looking at it competitively or maybe not even competitively but giving somebody the game early is an inherent advantage and Mm -hmm. it makes it it makes it so that that person now has a leg up on everybody in the in the world where everybody's like basically in an arms race every time we get a new game so that's
1: why i think that players should start changing the way that they approach themselves as both a brand and influencer and everything like that because Mm -hmm. right now all the emphasis on playing is 100% put on every single thing that I do is to win and that's fine that's totally chill I get that I understand because Sonic is the exact same way Uh, like Sonic everything that Sonic does is exclusively to become a better player and I respect Mm -hmm. that. What I'm saying here is that if you are interested in speaking intelligently about the game and being a front for your game, you have to understand that there's more to it than just being very, very good at it. I am seen as the mouthpiece for Skullgirls. And to be very honest, I'm not a top eight player. I'm just someone who is very passionate about the game. I'm someone who knows a lot about the game. I've studied a lot about the game. I've played the game a lot. I've streamed the game. I've run events for the game. I know how to talk about the game in an intelligent way without putting anyone down. And that is a skill that a lot of top players do not have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that is an important skill.
0: And another another point I was going to make, too, is... Uh, not necessarily even just being uh, uh, on speaking about the game is even making decisions for the game is something that a top mm. player is not trained or knows what to do, knows how to do. They can know the game inside and out, and they can think a decision is good. But if you have somebody who's been designing a game for uh, as a career, they know what that like what that those decisions entail. And I think uh, in the in the Tekken presentation Harada actually went into that about how they started hiring players to balance the game, specifically the players who were more critical. And when they started balancing the game, they realized, Oh shit, this doesn't work. Right. And so they had to, they had to actually learn how to balance the game and how to make it interesting for everybody. So that's, that's where I was going with that too. Um, That's,
1: that's fantastic. One of the things I do wanna just say before we go ahead and wrap it up is, mm-hmm. hey, everybody, thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. It was really great today, was it not, Elon? I think yes. we had a fantastic show, but even more importantly, the thing I wanted to state that I did not state earlier because I panicked and I headed it over to Elon, but I wanna say, hey, Steve, we're thinking about you, okay? We miss you, Mr. Clean looking ass. Get back over here and get here soon.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you call him Mr. Clean. Uh, that's funny uh he j- calls
1: me fran i call him
0: this <laughs> i love it uh before we go i just want to round out the rest of our doc here it's, this is going to be lightning round so i'm going to just do this all in one breath so i apologize here we go first what oh, i was going to spot, say
1: spotlight spotlight spotlight
0: oh fine what i was going to say earlier about tekken where i lost my train of thought is that they also added a wi-fi indicator so all the wi-fi players are butthurt now fuck them uh so that was it on tekken next uh they had the uh, Molina comeback cast last week, so Molina got shown off. A lot of crazy shit. Everybody seems to be super excited for Molina. Meg, Meg The Stallion
1: cosplay as Molina. Meg The Stallion. They did a Meg The Stallion. Meg The Stallion did a photo shoot with WB as Molina. It was posted on her Instagram.
0: Is it bad that it's a big deal?
1: Meg The Stallion, a very famous rapper, hot boy. I'm a savage. I live Classy, a rock. Fuji, ratchet. Oh, you know what, Elon? We gonna learn. We gonna learn you, honey. Renegade. Okay.
0: I live under Continue
1: with your spotlight. Continue with your
0: spotlight. <laughs> All right. Uh, but they showed off a lot of stuff for Molina, so everybody's super excited because uh, everything is coming out on October, or I'm sorry, November 17th, which is next week. Xbox One X came out today, or Xbox Series X. Sorry, I, even I'm getting confused. Xbox Series X came out today. Everybody's ecstatic. Some Xboxes are overheating. Uh, some uh, Amazon orders didn't get shipped. Everybody's kind of upset who didn't get one. Everybody's excited, th- those who did get one. PlayStation's uh, PlayStation 5's coming out on uh, Thursday, along with the game of the century, Bugsnax. Where's Where's Traber? I, I tried to get Traber in here. I think he's gone. Uh, maybe for the best. Uh, but anyway, PlayStation comes out. Uh, people have been talking about Street Fighter Five on PlayStation, saying it runs better. Whoa, better hardware makes the game run better. Never thought I'd see the day. Anyway, <laughs> and those are, <laughs> those are the last things... Uh, uh, those are the last things we had on the uh, on the agenda. So Thank any, you, everybody, so much for words? coming out
1: to the stream today. Oh, yes, of course, of course. Thank you so much, everybody, for coming out to the stream today. Go ahead and roll credits. And just remember, your oh, favorite you podcasters is. always have an exit line, but we don't.
0: I found him. Ah! Oh, uh, well, guess uh, shit. I guess we're going to have to find a new co-host. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Trevor, get out of here.